Susie. And I'm Lisa, and this is The Coaching Cast. We are the no-nonsense podcast, chatting about the things impacting you at work right now, helping you to survive and thrive in today's ever-changing workplace. We discuss different topics each episode, sharing our ideas, hints, and top tips from our experiences of working in the corporate world, running our own businesses, and also being qualified coaches. We also try to have a few laughs along the way too, because taking yourself too seriously, well, it's just boring. We hope you enjoy the same. In today's episode, we're discussing how to manage an inevitable situation, workplace politics. So stay with us and enjoy. So, Lisa, before we get into uh, today's episode, how have you been? <laughs> uh, well, you, for those of you that watch the coaching cast and generally follow our movements or mine specifically, you may have noticed that I appear to be in a different location to where I was in the last few episodes. And you would be right. Uh, I am in a different location I would love to do a tour of where I'm sat right now to really help bring this to life. But I'm essentially sat on the floor in the corner of my study at home in the UK. I am back in the country. Uh, but yeah, you may be asked, maybe wondering why on earth is she sitting on the floor in the corner of the room? I literally feel like I'm in some form of bedsit, like a, stu- like a student dig. That's what this feels like. Um, but yes, it's a long story. Essentially, I've had this room redecorated and it needs being to be put back together again and I just haven't had the time to do it before today's recording so I'm essentially sat on the floor I mean you can tell look I'm sat next to the bloody plug socket I love it like so firstly it might sound a bit echoey um, yeah sorry so that is why CB is <laughs> so um yeah my furniture, worry. my furniture is kind of in a pile in the middle of the room just over <laughs> here so it's not really doing a lot to help contain the sound it's not absorbing any sound um <laughs> But yeah, it's a very strange setup. It's not particularly comfortable. I probably will end up shuffling around quite a lot. And there may be some interesting things for viewers to see as I adjust my body and my position on the floor here. (laughs) I love it. I was just saying to you before we started, this setup really reminds me, I don't know why, but of the 90s breakfast show, The Big Breakfast. (laughs) Um, because you look like you're kind of sat surrounded like by like cushions and you've got this mic kind of like in shot a little bit kind of in place that you're talking to it's very like Lisa Tarbuck you know big breakfast kind of yeah late 90s vibes I yeah I like it I like it I wish I had some cushions I haven't got any cushions it's really uncomfortable (laughs) I didn't think that far ahead I just got a sitting cross-legged with my laptop propped up on a on a box so <laughs> well you're giving away all our secrets here we are a professional setup normally on this podcast and yeah. not sure well that. no well quite <laughs> as a, the budget for this podcast gets less and less every season I think as I've proven <laughs> but you know just just for everyone you know our CBBs not our listeners to realize you know I do like to keep myself grounded I don't just you know travel the world and visit lots of exotic places I do I do like to, you know, give myself that reality check every now and then. And what you're remember, literally remember my roots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally keep myself grounded. So yes, so that's that's my setup today. Um, so yeah, not as comfortable as I have been. I'm not going to lie, but we do what we must. 
we keep this show on the road. We've got to keep going, keep got to producing keep this high quality content. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> so yes, there we go. There we have it. Yesterday, you know, flying through Dubai, going, stopping at Dubai Airport, transiting. Today, sitting on the floor in a echoey room in the Cotswolds. Yeah. <laughs> did a, you um varied mix? Did you see any celebs in Dubai Airport? No. No, last time you were there, you saw a few celebs. I did, yeah. Last time, I shared a lift with Tommy Fury and Molly May. Yeah, exactly. So no celeb spots this time. No, although weirdly, they were in Dubai last week. And they travelled back from Dubai the same day that I did. We both left Dubai Airport at the same time. But I believe they live Manchester way, nearer you. So they weren't going to be coming into Heathrow. Yeah, they... um, they absolutely do. They don't live that far away from me, actually. No. But it was it was bizarre. I was thinking because I follow Molly on um, Instagram, and I so I could see they're in Dubai, and I was like, "You're joking! What are the chances if they end up transiting through the airport to go back to the UK on the same day as I did?" Well, they did, but I think our flights were at very different times as well. My flight left Dubai Airport at like nine forty yesterday morning. I don't think they were on that one. But anyway, I was never going to bump into them regardless because we were going to different parts of the UK. So I don't think they come out of the same gates. So there we go. But it was bizarre. I thought, wow, what's the chances if I bump into them again? <laughs> um, although, you know, I'm sure only I would find that bizarre because they would not recognise me because they are not yet aware of my podcast fame. I don't think they're listeners of the coaching cast. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, you know. I know she enjoys podcasts. She featured on Stephen Bartlett's Diary of the CEO. So, you know, I think she's open to the genre. I think she's familiar with it. You know, it's only a matter of time before she discovers the coaching cast. But at this stage, I don't think she knows who I am. So despite the fact that I chatted to her and Tommy in the lift like we were best mates the first time we met, which was really awkward and weird, (laughs) um, I didn't have that opportunity the second time. And if I did, I don't think they'd recognise me. That is also because I definitely wasn't looking as good as I was then. I was in like full getting ready for, you know, pool vibes. I was wearing a very nice cover up and a cool hat. Yesterday, not so much. I was, you know, I was in flight wear. Flight wear. You know, I looked looked to state. I was wearing like a sweater and a baggy pair of jeans and I was knackered. So definitely wasn't looking tip top. Um, Got you. You know, I don't know how people travel in a glamorous way. I mean, I've always thought I'm generally not glamorous anyway. I'm not a glamorous sort, but... So there are some people that travel yeah. like super professionals and they look amazing all the time. Yeah. That is not me. I don't look like that. I have thought this before, actually. Like when I'm thinking about my airport outfit or my <laughs> travel outfit, yes, those like, were the like days before I had children <laughs> where I had time to think about these things. Um, now I'm just like, have I got clothes on? That's the main thing. <laughs> So what's my excuse? I don't have any other distraction other than <laughs> and Dom and I still look a state. I don't really see the airport as being, well, that's not true. It is an occasion because I love the airport bit. Um, I actually enjoy the flying part for, for generally. Um, but I never really think about an outfit to wear. That was not really, the only thing that I thought of this time was because it was so long and I've made the mistake so many times before of wearing an underwired bra was that I'd wear a crop top. Because I was like, well, that's much more comfortable. And then that way I can sleep in it, which is essentially what I did. But I mean, that's the extent of my outfit planning. And let's be honest, there's nothing particularly sexy or attractive or even vaguely glamorous about a crop top, especially not under the baggy T-shirt. It was very fun to say. <laughs> and I don't think anyone would have wanted to see it any other way. So, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know how people do it. 
I'm always I know. like, no. but then other people probably also who travel a lot and have mastered the uh, the glamour of travel probably also don't drink a lot on the flight or eat a lot, which is what I do. I'm like, oh, this is like a whole nother part of the holiday. So bring on the alcohol and bring on the, the food. And by the time I come off, I'm like a bloated, swollen, slightly tipsy mess. So yeah, I imagine they're like pure hydration from water, you know, putting like good high quality skincare on. Oh, I do like, that all part the time. actually. Otherwise my oh. face shrivels up like a prune. Oh, wow. I can't deal. I get really dry skin on flights, but that's probably the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> that's the de- dehydrating. <laughs> every, for every glass of wine, I'm like slathering on a layer of face cream. <laughs> <laughs> get part of that moisturizer. Yeah, exactly. I need more moisturizer and a glass of wine. <laughs> right. Should we get chatting uh, this week's? episode we're talking about workplace politics absolutely I hope you're okay by the way there was no acknowledgement of your well-being or anything this week nothing's happened to me this week so thank goodness we're good I think we should definitely you know not worry about that this week is all good nothing to report (laughs) workplace politics what comes to mind when you think about it a boss who has their favourites, an overcompetitive colleague, or a peer who isn't as keen about your new managerial position as you are. When it comes to office politics, one thing is for sure, it exists in many workplaces, small, large, public, private, non-profit. It is very hard to avoid and normally comes with a bad reputation. So what are we referring to here? Well, Office politics refers to the complex social structure of a workplace. And in its simplest form, office politics are about differences. Differences in opinions, personalities, authority or power. Navigating it can seem like a daunting challenge, but a lot of it involves tapping into our social instincts. So, Lisa, what three words would you use to describe office politics from your own experiences? I would use the words um, repressive, frustrating, and distracting. Oh, some strong words there. <laughs> well, I was I was trying to be creative and actually I did have to Google to ensure that I understood the meaning of repressive to make sure it did actually articulate what I meant, which it does, which is essentially the prevention, suffocation, restriction of difference and personality and individualism, I guess. And actually it's interesting when you talk about the interpretation of what workplace co- politics means and that whole social structure and being about differences it is about difference in opinions personalities authority and power but only in a unaccepted way I think it's where those differences are not being honored accepted supported celebrated even it's like the opposite it's where actually if anything it's pretending that none of that exists and trying to funnel everyone into just one way and that one way being whatever the construct is that or the intention or 
vision of the company is trying to achieve and everyone is just trying to conform even though they don't want to I said um, they might not be trying to conform actually they might be trying to fight against it but I think that's where that comes from it's like the opposite of inclusivity isn't it inclusivity and togetherness and variety that's how I think of it I think there's definitely an element of like social conditioning at play when we talk about um office politics and what you're kind of describing there about that level of kind of um trying to get everybody I don't know what I'm trying to say here, like be the same. I don't know. Yes, if yeah. That, but I know what you are saying though. But that, I think there is that element in there of it. It's that I know this is may, maybe what you think, but this is what we're asking you to think. It's yeah. that, yeah, you know, dismissive nature of, you know, it's a bit like that pipe down. <laughs> pipe down because this is what we have to do. So just pipe down. It, whether that be, it, whether it's the right thing or not, it's just, that's how I always think of it. I think that's where that description I've used, or the, one of the words I've chosen is a frustration. Mm. I know at times in my experiences of it, I've just felt that constant like feeling of frustration, angst. It's like it creates this like real, like in me personally, I know it's just made me feel really angry and like, yeah, angst. That's what I think of. I just want to explode and scream because I'm just like, get me out of this horrible, restricted space. It's, that's what I think it is. I think it is very restrictive. Yeah. And it, suffo- it suffocates any form of creativity, I think. Yeah, definitely. What about you? What are your three words? So my three words are zapping. Oh, I like that. Power. Mm-hmm. And lobbying. Ooh. So zapping, I love that word. I was like, oh, I like that word. Yeah, um, I like it as well. I haven't used it like that. I don't think I've ever used it at all. Yeah, I feel like I need to use more zapping in my vocab. Definitely. Well, hopefully not, because it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Just think that through. It's a good one, that. though. Um, but yeah, I use that word because my experience of office politics is that it is zapping of energy. Yes. Time. <laughs> um productivity Mm. um it is it doesn't particularly give much in my experience like you know I've experienced office politics in my corporate career um and you know I have to say like throughout those experiences it's not particularly been a joyful enjoyable experience on the whole mainly just been quite zapping of like energy time um kind of enjoyment you know mm. so yeah that's why I chose zapping because that's my experience of it and again this might not be it for you but it's whatever kind of resonates with you power because power has come into it I think in my experience I actually wrote a blog um quite recently about this um mm. something called um the existence of a bro culture um and that's because I work with a lot of women who work in kind of fast scaling businesses some in tech and this kind of um sense of a bro culture comes up quite a lot which is around kind of um a lot of um males kind of demonstrating the same attributes wanting you to be the same as them which is normally quite demanding quite um competitive quite uh extra confident Mm. as well and and that's kind of a whole thing but power comes into play a lot in that particular culture. And in my experience, 
um, I would say elements of that culture were in, were in existence and that fueled some of the office politics and power was a big part mm. of that. Um, so yeah, that's why I used power. And then lobbying, because I used to find this bit the most hilarious stroke, the most, the most frustrating part of my corporate role and corporate career. One, because there was always people who were like lobbying for their own kind of career advancement mm. and using office politics and those social structures to do that. So to enhance their career progression. Mm. And I used to just find that a bit sickening because I was just like, everyone can see what you're doing. Like, just just be authentic. Just be good at your job. Be nice to people. Be kind. And then, you know, I'm sure what you want will come. You don't have to have this manipulative kind of lobbying approach. Like it was too like, it was too like real life politics, I suppose, yeah. in that sense. <laughs> um, and I was just a bit like, oh, no. Um, so yeah, I found that particularly frustrating. And also I suppose really kind of compromised my own personal values the most when I could see that that was happening. Because I was just coming into, you know, work every day just wanting to do a good job to deliver absolutely and have great performance and make sure the people who I managed and my colleagues around me were you know having enjoying their work you know feeling um fulfilled and not everybody had that mindset and so Mm -hmm. when that like lobbying piece was um really at play I used to just find it well quite sickening to be honest that's quite extreme so it's really interesting I think to help listeners really understand what we're talking about with this lobbying because it it may not be obvious to everybody about what that actually looks like when it's in action can you talk about it in a bit more detail or think of a specific example in that just to help bring it to life a bit more like in terms of like how that lobbying presented itself Yeah, so I think it was actually quite intangible in a number of ways. So it is quite hard to describe, but I think one way was just around, like, especially some people who were in senior management positions, the way they kind of went about things. So, for example, if there was a big meeting to, um, I don't know, like sign off on a plan or sign off on an initiative, they would have the way they would approach it and like who would be involved in that meeting and the kind of message that we all had to be on point to kind of communicate at that time was very much about making that person who was in charge of the team look good got you so they were kind of lobbying themselves in that position to make they had an opportunity to make themselves look good it wasn't about the greater good it wasn't about like the overall kind of result and I suppose that's what I mean by, yeah, just having your own kind of personal intention, your own personal agenda mm. at the forefront of everything that you're doing and lobbying yourself in those positions. Yeah. And in a way that it sounds like is not necessarily about driving what's in its entirety, what's best for the team or best for the business yes there must I'm assuming must have been some loose connection otherwise it would have just been too blatantly obvious about its irrelevancy but I suppose it's that and what you've already said it about being authentic they're not being that genuine we're doing this because it's the right thing to do for all of us and the business and the customer it's very much about how I can elevate myself in the best way possible yeah yeah definitely which I think, you know, there is a fine line always with that, isn't there? Because we've talked about it before in terms of 
you know, how in some of our episodes, we've talked about the skills of asserting yourself and supporting yourself to be successful and growing your confidence and all of those are good things. And actually big part of in organizations, especially corporates where you are one of many. And, you know, we talked a lot with Amelia, didn't we? Sordell in the start of the season at the beginning of this year. Was that what season was that? Was that four? Yeah. Yeah. When we talked about personal brand, like all of that is a good thing, but you do still have to get the balance right. And I suppose even in that, and we talked about this a lot with Amelia, when you're thinking about your personal brand, actually so much of what Amelia advised, and that really resonated with you and I, was the importance of still being a real person, being human, about thinking about um, authenticity and really having that notion of supporting others, because actually when you, the more you support others, the more you give, the more you get in return. Like she was talking about it in that way. And that I think is a positive approach uh, to elevating yourself. But what we're talking about here in this very, well, it sounds, it's political in its nature. Lobbying is a political um, task, isn't it? And that word comes from politics, hence. Um, that's when it becomes quite disingenuous. It can be quite ugly. And it becomes yeah. very selfish. So it's it's always yeah. like it's like the scale of like what's what's what is good, what's what is um growing positive spaces, positive outcomes, and what's just not. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, you might not have had that experience. These are words that resonate with each of us from our yeah. experiences. And you might be listening to think, well, I work in somewhere where that definitely isn't like at play. Um, which so, is good. <laughs> which is good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But it's um, something interesting to be aware of for sure. Definitely. So what key things have you learned about workplace politics and its impact from your career so far? It's really interesting, this question, because I don't want to sound cynical, but I think I'm in danger of being cynical and I'm not I'm not naturally a cynic so this is it's not actually and it's not how I ever want to be but I do think the sad truth for me in my career is when I stopped conforming to workplace politics in the places I worked in not all of them but some of the places I spent the predominant period of my corporate career the more I stopped playing politics and asserted my own independence and approach behavior started to really work hard to fulfill my authentic self because that's actually what made me feel really great the less I succeeded in a public way in my work which you know I suppose what I'm saying is in a very short summary is the less I played the politics the less I progressed which is a cynical thing to say and I don't want to be saying it but that's the hard truth of it I think and I know from my close friends and those that I've you know shared careers with that has often been the conversation that we've all had which is we don't want to play the game. You know, people talk about you've got to play the game. And that's what this is about. Playing the game is another way of saying you conform to the politics of the workplace. Um, unfortunately, that is most of my friend's experience. And yeah. I've been on many a WhatsApp group chat with certain friends venting and vexing about what's going on for them at work at the moment and being incredibly frustrated. 
because they felt that they've been held back because they haven't conformed or they've seen people who have succeeded above others undeservedly so in their view because they simply were very good at playing the game they were good at conforming to the political nature of where they worked and it's it's funny I, I think part of me and in my cynicism is that I feel that's just the way it is so you either and I suppose I've made the choice to say I either play it or I don't and I go somewhere else and I think that's what I've always tended to do I've gone that's just the way it is here I can either fight against it Although for me, that has then had that zapping effect, as you described it. I felt very drained. I felt so frustrated. I've got upset and I've just had to stop and go, there's just no point in any of this. I'm not prepared to do this. So actually the right thing for me to do is to think about where I go next, what I do next, so that I can remove myself. I I will hold my hands up. I, I will only fight in those environments for so long before I decide that actually... It's just not worth it for me. Yeah. Which I, I don't want it to sound like I give up. Like I'm very, I'm very supportive of anyone who wants to fight against the system when it's the right thing to do. But even I have to concede, you can only do that for so long. And it depends how big the system is. At the end of the day, yeah. if you're the only one fighting against it and everyone else isn't, you do have to kind of get to that point of realisation of how's this serving me, the approach that I'm taking and is it really worth it? Or would I be better putting all this energy into somewhere else? where yeah. I can have a better impact so yeah as I said I hate being the cynic I'm not normally the cynic but unfortunately that has been my experience yeah I've um like so I have definitely played it I've played you know the workplace politics to help me with my when I was in my corporate career to um move my career forward but I think I still did it in a way which was authentic and mm had kindness at the heart of it because that's I like yeah. to think who I am um there wasn't any I don't think you know any kind of active backstabbing I don't think I was you know horrible to anyone I didn't do anything malicious um but I think there is a realism like you're saying in that you either kind of conform to an extent and realize that that might get you x y and z benefits um in the workplace or you don't and there's another kind of xyz benefits that come with that as well and I think it's your choice as to how well you can navigate it and how naturally you can build on your social instincts mm. I did it in a way where I wanted to actually just build good working relationships and so <clears throat> I did that but I did that also I suppose like knowing that that wasn't a bad thing to do mm. yeah but yeah. I think I think that's what you've nailed and I would I would agree that's how I've also approached this, which is where I can see that there is a benefit to be had, both for me personally, but actually for my wider objective, my wider agenda. And I know it's not conflicting too much with my own personal values, if at all, because it doesn't always. Um then I've been more than happy to do it. And I have adapted my approach so that it fits me. Yeah, exactly. But I think what is so important in all of this and what you're saying is that real awareness of, I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and I'm okay with that. I think as soon as that 
starts to change or you lose sight of why am I doing this um and you lose that connection with yourself around your feelings of what you're doing and therefore you're no longer in that conscious control position I think that's where it can become such a problem and and I do think for a lot of people they realize at a later point that actually what's been going on and what they've been doing has been quite destructive toward you know into them but it's just not something that they've been consciously aware of it's mm. built up either over time or they just haven't been in tune enough and I think that's where you just got to be careful with it because I think as soon yeah. as you're in that space and you realize oh actually I'm really unhappy with this um that's when you want to change things and that's when you may want to stop doing it altogether yeah it's it's funny because I've worked with so many people where and I, I suppose this comes down to that thing it is about being different and we're all different and that's all okay but I've definitely worked in places where I've just witnessed people doing this constantly over long periods of time and I just I do honestly sometimes think I'm like are they aware of what they do <laughs> like or <laughs> or how that's perceived or how that comes across or or are they not I mean it, I don't funny, isn't it I don't know like I don't know the situation etc but my guess would be probably not because I imagine like as we've talked about with giving feedback a lot of people don't like giving feedback and giving kind of um constructive feedback back like when you did this this is mm. how it made me feel mm. and I think in that's it, it you know especially in a corporate setting I think things are better now like we're not fully there but I think things have in, have improved in this area but a lot of the time the way that depending on the culture the way you feel certainly in my experience wasn't necessarily valued as much as it should have been and so I think because of that people then were slightly limited and thinking okay I feel comfortable kind of giving that feedback to this person who's made me feel like this when it's been mm. something quite you know significant mm. I've actually experienced workplace politics on the other side as well so I've been the I've, I've you know I've done it I've, I've played the game so yeah, to speak yeah. but I've also been the um recipient of it as well um so I had there's a story I'll share so I worked with a colleague um a few years ago now who was incredibly power driven um and was all about their own personal career advancement I'd even say they were like a climber so what mm. I mean by that is it was just about climbing that ladder yeah, yeah that next role that bigger better more powerful role and um I had been um asked to mentor a slightly um a, a junior kind of colleague who had only recently joined the organization and I was like yeah that was absolutely fine so I'd met this um colleague one-to-one we'd had like a really good conversation but during that conversation they um got upset they got emotional about something and they um you know were finding a particular situation really challenging and I was and I just listened and um I was like oh my gosh you know really sorry to hear about that you know again that's showing that empathy which we talked about in last week's episode Mm. anyway we kind of had a conversation it kind of was concluded they left anyway we we kind of ended things and we I we'd end things in a in a kind of fairly positive place i.e like they'd thought about some actions that they could take to help them move forward 
Anyway, a few days later, I get a call from my boss who'd said, um, I just need to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay, yeah, no worries. And they said that um, my colleague, so not the person I'd had that conversation with a few days before, somebody else, so like a mm. third party, had um, gone to them and said that I had made that person cry in our one-to-one um, a few days before and that they should be aware that that's what I was doing uh, in those interactions, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I was like, what? Like my reaction was so extreme as in like, no, that is nowhere like near the truth of what yeah. happened. And in fairness to my boss, they were like, well, I did think that because I go back to that point before about how workplace politics, you can play the game. I had built a positive relationship with my boss at that time and they knew me, they knew my approach, they knew how I worked and they knew that that sounded really jarring. Like they were mm. like, that doesn't sound like Susie. I don't, I'm not sure, but I'm going to speak to her and find out, you know? And I was like, no, this is how it went down. And I was like, right. Okay. Um, so then I like basically transpired the person I've been having a conversation with once when that the few days before had been talking to this colleague and they'd said, oh, you know, I got upset in the meeting and that was it like they hadn't said anything more and they had taken that as to I had made them cry I had mm. made them get upset then took that to my boss okay to undermine me basically make me look bad um so I rang this person up mm. like I let it settle for like a day and then I rang this person up and I asked them directly um oh I understand you um like spoke to x about this situation I just wonder if you could like taught me through like your understanding of what had happened and they did not know how to answer like they they had no idea how to answer basically the reason why I'm telling this story is that person was trying to manipulate the situation to make me look bad because they wanted to make themselves look better mm. and that's just where you get that often negative side of office politics for mm. whatever reason they thought I've got an opportunity here and I'm going to take it mm. and you know that was that intent was malicious that intent was negative mm. but I've also been the recipient of workplace politics as well and thankfully for me like it it bothered me in the moment but actually like my boss was like yeah I didn't think this sounded right and I talked through what had happened and then they actually talked to the person who had got upset and they were like no that's like that is this is what happened and so that kind of aligned with what I'd said hmm. so in the end it just made that other person look bad they just made themselves look silly um yeah. because I think they'd underestimated the strength of the relationships that I had hmm. and that's where you've got to you know firstly stand up for yourself as well because when I called them out they didn't know what to do they yeah. they were just like what like they yeah. didn't, they they weren't expecting me to do that I don't think yeah um but obviously you've got to feel confident enough to do that and, and yeah. feel okay and safe to do that but yeah that's one of the kind of stories that really stands out in my mind when I think about office politics yeah and I suppose that plays into that whole nature of politics especially in this country that we're all familiar with which is how much politicians love to use others to climb so they will climb on top of each other you know as soon as there's an opportunity to slander the name of a politician bring them down openly criticize them you know they're all over each other for that because unfortunately in the way politics works in our country that is how 
politicians succeed by belittling, criticising, drawing attention to the faults of others to make themselves look better. And I think that is the really ugly side of politics in the workplace. I think that's where that connection gets made because, yeah, you know, we didn't use the word, but actually it's really isolating workplace politics. And that's a great example of it is where you're wanting to work. I would like to think you would, we'd all want to work in a collaborative environment where we look out for each other. That's the, that's the whole basis of successful teams is where you've got each other's backs, but this is where politics comes into play and you'll get those individuals that they don't work like that. They don't want to, for whatever reason. Um, and they won't be working in that in that way that supports people. They're only thinking of themselves and being selfish. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, you know, I'm always really mindful with this topic because I'm talking about it from a position of how I felt, what I've done, what I've been privileged enough to be able to do in terms of to change situations. And that is a combination, I would say, of, having confidence in my ability, feeling that I'm in a place that's strong enough, I suppose both from at home and in my work to be able to change things, make choices, leave jobs, you know, go and work in other jobs. And I I do get that we're not all in that space. Um, I think we all have choices, but we may not always necessarily have exactly the same ones available to us at all times. So I, I do think a lot of this sometimes comes down to survival and how people, you know, survive in the workplace and how they've been, well, in some ways groomed through their career in terms of how you achieve success. So I know I've always been mindful when I've watched other people's behaviour and, you know, to be quite frank, just been absolutely like mortified by it. <laughs> um to try and be a little bit more, I suppose this comes back actually to empathy, actually, be a bit more empathetic to go from my perspective, I don't understand this, but actually if I were to put their shoes on and look at it from their perspective, would I feel differently? And just at times to try and understand where that behavior comes from and where they, you know, why they choose to do what they do. And I do think it's, interesting to at times explore the culture that's around all of us because we're not all able to necessarily find ourselves and find our independence and our own strength in cultures in the workplace some of us will just work with what's around us and I do think at times workplace politics when they come up the culture that they take place in has got a lot to answer for it in terms mm-hmm. of how that's encouraging it, supporting it, or maybe not even those two strong words, just not doing anything to change it. Mm. So um, on that note, then, mm. you know, can we've talked about our experiences yeah. of office politics, which has predominantly been on the negative side, but can office politics ever be a positive thing? I'm sure they can. I suppose I don't have an experience of it. I wouldn't. And and I suppose when I think about the positive nature of work and the positive workplaces I've ever worked in, I would never have described them using the word politics. But that's because I think politics has a notion of ugliness. And politics, to me, 
makes me think of arguments and backstabbing and toxicity I don't think of politics in any other way but that's my personal experience of literal politics especially again in this country it's never been something I'm comfortable with I enjoy I hate talking about politics um I just think I immediately relate politics to arguments not discussion arguments they're different things so that's why I can't I I can't think of anything in my personal experience where I would say politics in the workplace has ever been a success. So I've had one experience, which I think um, maybe it's just because, again, I've said this before, I am a simple soul. Um, and I maybe didn't correlate the two at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had a really big project that I needed to deliver and get signed off and underway in my kind of corporate career and um I was how can I put this switched on I was aware yeah that there was a game that had to be kind of played a little bit Mm. to get some key stakeholders and some key people signed on to this in order to make this happen and actually if this was to happen this would benefit financially and also um operationally the business as a as a whole Mm. but I knew that these people would have some challenge because it went into areas that were they were looking after basically so this and this is a very small example but I knew that I had to talk to those people one-to-one and give them an opportunity to hear what I what my proposal was give them an opportunity to feed in ideas to feed in thoughts to feed in suggestions before it got to a senior level where it was then going to be like presented for for sign off because I knew they'd be in the room Mm. and I knew if they weren't on board before I presented that in the room then the conversation would not be particularly productive because Mm. they would have like challenges and questions etc so whether you call it politics or not I don't know but there's definitely some social dynamic that Mm. I was aware of in that situation that I had to kind of think about how am I going to navigate this Mm. I did that and I have to say that was a positive thing by doing that because also I made that person feel involved I made that person feel contributed I wanted them to feel that I could listen to their kind of concerns etc and and taking them in so that when I got to that kind of really important meeting where it was like right this is it we need to sign off on this in order to make this happen I didn't get those objections there and then in that environment so I think that is one way where you know that that kind of awareness just of those social structures that exist in an organization yeah and knowing kind of um actually how can I best use that now to help me with influencing where I need to and getting the result that I I want for the business and also you know for the the greater good there Mm. um, isn't a bad thing so that's one of one experience I've had where yeah it was a positive result yeah and and it absolutely that's exactly I suppose where my point comes into play about the interpretation of politics exactly because I have been in similar scenarios as you've described, but I would never have described that as a working with the politics of the organization. It's interesting because you describe it as connecting how the organization is socially structured because I understand that connection to 
the term politics, but that's just not how I would have interpreted that situation. I would have talked about that situation in terms of building relationships, collaborating, bringing people together, engaging everyone before a sign-off, because actually that gives a lot more opportunity for people to comment, input, point out anything that they think could be changed or could be even better, which is an efficient approach before then going for a sign-off and then ensuring that the sign-off is a really effective, ideally shorter um, activity because you've already done the work up front. So, yeah, so I think it's just in the interpretation of that term, workplace politics, and yeah. my interpretation is a negative one because I only think of that word even political as a negative. Um, whereas you've just used it as an example of actually where that interpretation can be different and it can be positive. I mean, when you think about politics in the entire world, not all pol politics in all countries is bad. There are a lot of polit political structures that are very successful and that people view positively. They're not all terrible. So... I definitely think it can be used in a positive way, but that will always come down to, I think, our individual experiences. Yeah, um, your individual and I, experiences. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think it's just as soon as you use the word politics, for me, it just sounds dirty. <laughs> I think that's it. So I I think of it as a dirty word. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so no, it's really interesting, but that's a really good example of positive, yeah. But again, I think it's just then how each of us have interpreted what exactly you were doing there and I suppose also knowing you as a person I do think you will have done what you did because you wanted to be successful but I don't think that would have been your sole agenda because I think you would have wanted knowing you the project to be successful and the people involved therefore to be recognized as a successful project so what you your agenda when you went into that meeting to involve and engage the stakeholders for sign off was not selfish not entirely so, you know, that's, <laughs> that's you know, whereas I only think of politics being selfish as well. So, yeah, so it's just, it's just the interpretation of the word. It is, yeah, because it made my, it did make them my life easier. Yeah, of course it did. Of course so it So there was a done. benefit, you know, there's a benefit there. But it's, but it's a yeah. collective, it's a collective. Exactly, benefit, isn't it? exactly. So it's about, yeah, it's just about what that means to you. Like you said, you know, whether that, um, whether it's that social structure, whether it's li literally that interpretation of, of politics as Lisa has described and you know the trigger for her on that yeah and that association around mm. it um and yeah how you just kind of navigate that and a lot of this is intangible stuff that happens which you can't necessarily always put your finger on and think about um until you do kind of stop and think and mm. kind of start to unpick things yeah. um and it is all it all it is all quite complicated I'd say but um that leads nicely on then to my final question. So how can you deal with workplace politics successfully, do you think? I think this is about really knowing what's important to you and being clear when you make decisions around your actions and your behaviours as to what's driving them and therefore why you're doing it. Because I think if you, the more you can stay true to yourself or at least be really connected with yourself and your 
agenda, like your motivations, the better you can navigate the politics and survive them, I guess, in my in my interpretation of them when they're challenging. Because I think that enables you to stay centred, which I think is really important. You don't lose your way. That's I think that's probably the most important thing that I would offer. Okay. Okay. What about you? So I would say from a from a point of a practical perspective, mm. try and play nice if you yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay human. <laughs> keep it keep it cool if you can. Yeah. Lead by example. Try not to choose sides and like work with everybody how you wish people to work with you. So yeah. put out what you want back. Okay. I'm not saying that that is something you can do all of the time. We are not all perfect. Yeah. There are going to be times where you can't, you know, you can't do that for whatever reason or that's challenging. Mm -hmm. But I think if you try and play nice and try and play fair with stuff like this, when it's kind of unfolding or happening or stuff's happening around you, um, you hopefully then can't kind of go far wrong on doing it. Um. The other thing I'd say is, I suppose just going back to my example of that story I told, is actually building positive working relationships yourself. Mm. So, and that links to what you were talking about when Amelia joined us, you know, back in, in, in season four, you know, what what people say about you when you're out of the room yeah. has a big part to play, I think. So actually, if you are just focused on building good, positive working relationships, you deliver, you know, you're a nice person to work with, um, you're kind, you know, again, going back to what we were saying there, just playing nice. Actually, people then, if ever that is in question, people can make up their own minds because they've got a good enough relationship and an informed relationship with you in order to do that. So building that connection is really important. It's now time for Bullshit Bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which make us cringe. Our Bullshit Bingo for today's episode is the art of the possible. So come then, Suze, what are your thoughts about this one? Right, again, for the second time this episode, I am a simple soul. And I don't get this. I don't understand what this means. What is this? What does it mean? Well, isn't it about like, well... What is possible for us to do in this situation? I think that art is just using art as a a doing word, isn't it? As in like the skill, the possibility. What does art mean in motion? The possibility mm-hmm. of the possible. Hmm. Well, and it goes. as I said, uh, <laughs> as I said, I'm not suggesting I've got that right. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, no, so there we go. I wasn't too far off. Okay. I've Googled what the meaning of art is in the in the respect of not art as a, yeah, art as an, as an activity, but as a like a, a doing word. The expression or application of human creative skill and imagination. Because that's actually the interpretation of art. So I think that's the point in its association with the possible. Got you. I think I've used this many times. I actually don't think of this as a bullshit bingo. I know I always say that about any term that I use. (laughs) 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 And that I don't think it is a bullshit. But I don't think, I quite like the art of possible. Um, This one doesn't make me cringe. I don't go, "Eh." 
This doesn't make me cringe. I think it jars with me a bit. I, again, because I am a simple soul. I know this about myself. Um, it's like I always get, you know, when you sometimes say an analogy, I sometimes use say like analogies and, I, and then I get them wrong. And then I'm like, <laughs> it's because I'm so simple. <laughs> like what? You can't say that and then not give the, uh, the us an example of what you mean, because this could be classic. You've got to come out with something really hilarious now. Go so, on. I still can't remember what it is. So I tried to use one the other day, which was when it's sunny, uh, you should try and make, and I couldn't remember what you should make. And then I was like, I think it's hay. Make hay while the sun shines. That's it. And so I said it the wrong way round. So when the sun shines, <laughs> you should make hay. <laughs> yeah, it's not as effective when you say it backwards. <laughs> and then I was like, is it hay? Or is it something else? I was just like, oh. And by this point, the person was looking at me like, what is she doing? Like, what is she saying? I was like, oh, just. So, um, so yeah, when the, and I was just, I think I just glossed over it. Um, so apologies if that was you and you're listening to this now. Um, so yeah, that's one of these for me, I think, the art of the possible, a bit flummoxed, a bit flummoxed by this flummoxed one. Flummoxed by this one, as well as make hay while the sun shines. Definitely. <laughs> well, if you've got uh, a bullshit bingo that flummoxes you like this as flummoxed Susie, then please, please do send it to us. You can email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk and you can always send us any messages directly on Instagram by visiting at thecoachingcast. <laughs> We are coming to the end of today's episode where we have been discussing workplace politics. Our top tips and recommendations from today's episode are number one, play nice and play fair. You can't go far wrong if that is your approach. Number two, stay human and try and empathise where you can. Number three, Try and build your own positive relationships with key stakeholders or people uh, that you work with. Number four, know what is important to you and your values and work with these where you can. We also have some self-coaching questions to ask yourself. And these are number one, how are you feeling about workplace politics at the moment? Number two, how are you currently dealing with it? And number three, what one thing could you do to improve the situation for yourself where workplace politics is maybe at play? Don't worry if you can't remember these. All of our top tips, self-coaching questions will be on our Instagram page at The Coaching Cast this week following the episode being released on Tuesday. We really hope that you've enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts, or feedback, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us in three ways. On email at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk, on Instagram at thecoachingcast, and finally, you can contact us through our website, www.thecoachingcast.co.uk. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and in the rest of the season and you would love to help us grow this podcast, 
please, 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 please do us a favor. Leave us a review on the Apple podcast app. You have no idea how important these are. Hit subscribe wherever you listen and give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Don't forget, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel by searching for The Coaching Cast. And that means that today you can see Lisa recording (laughs) and sitting on her bedroom floor. (laughs) <laughs> it's so uncomfortable I'm not gonna lie I'm you've done well I'll be honest just my legs well. so many times so apologies <laughs> everyone who's watching just seeing my limbs in the air we both love music and use it to motivate and energize us so we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting it's my choice this week, and I have been inspired by Strictly Come Dancing at the weekend, and I have chosen a classic, well, I think it is anyway, uh, and I have chosen Rihanna, We Found Love, featuring Calvin Harris. What an absolute banger of a tune. And the language in this song, We Found Love in a Hopeless Place. Well, we'll just gloss over that. I like No, no, tune. I mean, as in, like, I feel like that <laughs> connects with today's episode about workplace politics. We found oh, yeah. love in a hopeless place. <laughs> found... That's essentially what we're asking you guys to do. If you're, if you're working in what feels like a hopeless place at the moment because of the political culture, go find love somewhere. Maybe not literally, or maybe literally. Hey, spice up the workplace. Just watch out. Yeah, whatever words. works for you. Um, you would think that this podcast is polished with that kind of like alignment of song what, and what topic. What but about that? there we go. You know, <laughs> it's all just come together <laughs> at the last point. We love it. We love it. Thank you so much for listening, CVBs. Have a great week. And remember, you've got this. Oh, 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 oh,